be like T-ball pretty soon. Touch it, and a ground ball to third, breaking for the plate, the throw, and they got him. No! He caught him safe! He caught him safe! Unbelievable! That is remarkable. That is unbelievable! The throw beat him by a mile! Live. Did he get him? Oh, he tapped entertainment capital of the world. It isn't. The runner goes halfway. Oh. Somebody thought it was on. His Torres had to scoop it in. Doesn't get it. And Ty Wigginton, oh, he made He bumped him and he's gone. It's the T.C. Martin Show. And Wigginton is furious. Diagnosis. The 3-2 pitch. Prognosis. Outside ball. Fourth off. Strike three. Osmosis. Ball strike three. I didn't think that Marty Foster was going to ring it up. And he did. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. No, goodness no, gracious. No, no, no. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. The doctor is now in. Get your money's worth. Get your money's worth. Get your popcorn. Oh, yes, it is. This is like March Madness. It really is. If you're a Major League Baseball fan, you got to be loving this. Eight baseball games today. Playoff games. Four Game twos in the American League, four game ones in the National League, and this is what we're going to have every day here for about the next uh, next few days at least. T.C. Martin Show coming your way live on a Wednesday, middle of the work week, proverbial hump day, Ballpark Frank in the house, making it happen. Ballpark Frank with a name like that, you have to be loving this time of year. I think it's cool that all the baseball games are going on right now, and mm. as far as how many games a day we're going to have, well, a lot of that's going to depend on... How long some of these series go, right? And the Houston Astros are the first team to advance to the American League Divisional Series as they swept the Minnesota Twins. That's it. Happy for my guy Dusty Baker. And they, they sweep them up and off. put them in the can. They they did. And we'll talk about streaks. Wow. I mean, the couple streaks not only in this game, but uh, you know other uh, Major League uh, Baseball playoff games as well too. But this today. The Twins, and we touched on it yesterday, have now lost 18 straight playoff games. Now, a couple of those were play-in games, right? Well, yeah, wild card games. Right, yeah, yeah they were the wild card games, which still count as playoff games. But yeah, it's like, right, right. But, but it, you know, so it wasn't like they were losing like three games in a row or four games in a row for all the series, right. but still it's a loss, and then they go on to the next year and they do it again. But Which, which is, is more mind-boggling because that extends longer in years' terms. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's amazing that they cannot get out of the first round or they, you know have these losses over and over again. 18 in a row, the Twins, they had the home field advantage, and especially this year with the COVID situation where you're playing a best two out of three in all three games, you know, really does favor the home team. Granted, no crowds, but still, you're batting last, you're in your home park, you're sleeping in your home bed, and we know that the, the road has been unkind for all these Major League Baseball teams, and for the Twins to basically score one run yesterday, one run today, uh, you know, people in Minnesota and people, you know, the fans and that organization are saying, man, we just can't can't do this. We can't get, get over it. And before it was like, oh, well, the Yankees are a kryptonite. You know, like Lamar Jackson is saying, well, the Chiefs are a kryptonite. Well, today it was the Houston Astros where they slid in as a sixth seed, did not play good baseball in September at all. But uh, again, when you have veterans on that team the way the Astros do with Springer and Altuve and Bregman and Michael Brantley, uh, they just found a way to win. And they did it again today, scoring late. And uh, the Astros defeat the Twins three to one. So apparently, the Twins' kryptonite is actually is actually just the postseason. Exactly right, right. <laughs> it, it's not a team; it's right. the postseason. Right. Right. And they were favored in both games. Uh, just uh, very, very, very strange, you know, times there in in Minnesota. But again, uh, so congratulations to the Astros. And I know a lot of people do not like to see the Astros win because they're still hung up on the the cheating scandal from a couple years ago. I understand that, so there's going to be a lot of hatred out there towards them. But uh, again, it's it's crazy. Now I'm happy, obviously, for Dusty, and he broke a streak today as well, too, because he broke a streak of ten straight games in elimination games where he was the losing manager, and that goes back to 2003 when he was with the Cubs, and we all remember what happened there with the Bartman game against the Florida Marlins. And that thing uh, went backwards. And then the same thing happened in Cincinnati. Uh, it happened in, in Washington in, in the last couple seasons. 
And uh, so here we go. So I, I'm very, very happy for him because in so many of those games, they were just flukes like that Bartman game. And then, you know, two years ago in, in Washington as well, too. Yeah, so Dusty broke his streak, but the Cubs are keeping their postseason streak with the Marlins. Right. This is true. <laughs> Because we go to that scoreboard right now. So Kyle Hendricks was dealing earlier on today, basically through seven innings. They had a one nothing lead. All of a sudden, he gets a couple guys on. Boom, crack a lack of ding-dong. Opposite field homer. It was 3-1 for the Marlins. And what, now, what, Was he really dealing, though? Be- because he was having a little bit of control issues, and he was pitching out of some situations. It almost seemed to me like watching a game, and maybe you had a different feeling for it, but it almost seemed to me like it was a matter of not if, but when. They were going to finally break through. No, you bring up a good point because his stats were not good. He, you know, six and a third. He gave up. Well, he gave up the three earned runs, but that all happened on ba- basically the last pitch that he threw in this game. Gave up five hits, but you're, you know, he's not a big strikeout guy, but he did have three key walks today. So three K, three walks. Uh, yeah, you know, you're you're right about that. But I I was not really watching much of that game. I was glued right, to the yeah. Astros, and, and that's what I kind of thought. I thought maybe too. because you can't watch everything oh, at yeah. once. I was watching yeah. more of that game, and as I was watching it, and the announcers even made mention of it. They said Hendricks is not his normal spot on self. He was missing, and he was he was kind of all over the place. And you can really tell that when you see a catcher's glove of where he puts it, and he's he's not missing like even by an inch or two. I mean, he's just not even close. Mm-hmm on a lot of those pitches. He was struggling out there. He was trying to get it together. He was trying to be the the bulldog and get it done for his team. But you had a feeling it's like at some point this is not going to go well unless the Cubs can get some insurance runs, yeah, which we, they didn't. And we know that the Cubs you know, problems this year have basically been starting pitching. And when, you know, Kyle Hendricks is nice. He's not a Greg Maddox, but he has that Maddox type of stuff in speed. He's not overpowering, but he is a scientist. He like to call him the professor out there. And Chris Bosio, who will be joining us tomorrow on the program, he loves Hendricks and, and coached Kyle Hendricks for those years in Chicago. But he said, you know, when we talked earlier, he said, yeah, you know, Kyle Hendricks is one of those guys that, you know, if you if you sit and wait on him, you know, you can you can get him late. And this is exactly what happened in this game. And now the Marlins are up 5-1. So it looks like the Cubs will find themselves down one game to nothing in this best, uh, you know, best of three series, two out of three. And as we saw yesterday with the Twins, I mean, once you fall behind one nothing, you know, that your back is up against the wall and you're feeling that pressure. Yeah, it's almost like we we just uh, wrapped up the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it's kind of like that almost. You know, one goal is so big. Well, in the playoffs right now, every run is so much bigger than it was in the regular season. And it's interesting too, like you mentioned, the three game series because a lot of times you'll see a team like remember when the Arizona Diamondbacks won the World Series years ago? They basically did it with two pitchers, with Johnson and Schilling. Right. Well, you have to have three starters now, and you have to have a decent bullpen in that, and figure out how to use them in that. This is interesting, but I also thought it was interesting that. You said the Astros were the first. Is it a sweep in a two out of three series? I think it has to be. They didn't I mean, win a game, I right? I know it is. I know. I know it I know. is, but it's kind of a... You can still get the broom out. You're right. You're yeah, right. But, I mean, you know, well, yeah. is it a sweep in the play-in game then? I don't know. I mean, you won the one game you had yeah, to. So. I think a sweep means plural, right. Right? All right? So, three out of five we've used sweep before. Absolutely. So, so yeah. And I, I figured it was. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, too. No, I, I agree with you, I actually. think it is, but to me it's a sweep with an asterisk. Yeah. Should I rewind and, and, and edit that part out, you know? Take back the tweet and the post and all that stuff. Say so sweep. Yeah, you're right. No, though. because yeah. it's your team. They won two in a row. Yeah. It's your team. They're, you my, know? they're my team this year. That's now, it. if they would have been eliminated in the two straight, you might have said they lost instead of got swept. Because then swept. it wouldn't sound as bad. That's a good point. <laughs> like that. You know, it's a sweep when you're on the right side of it. Exactly. You know, I love the broom anyway. I love bringing out the broom, <laughs> and it's too bad that we can't see fans bringing out brooms anymore. You know, so this is. This is a travesty, though, because this is the time of year, and we talk about it with, with hockey. We talked about that yesterday. But really with baseball, where playoff baseball is really a pitch-by-pitch thing, and I don't know if you've been to, to either playoff games, World Series games, but being in that stadium, just like you know any other sport in playoffs, it's, it's so electric. And the fans on their feet waving the towels, you know, busting out the brooms, whatever it is. And just today, and especially Wrigley Field. Now, because, you know, Wrigley's not even really doing the cardboard cutouts, are they? I think them and the Yankees yeah, are, I don't, are I don't think they're, so. they're not. Because when I've watched games during the course of the year at Wrigley, I'm going, boy, this is subdued in comparison to some of these other stadiums where, you know, there's like five to 10 to 20,000 cutouts. Cubs says, you know, we're not playing that. 
They said our garage crew has enough to do keeping the field pristine. We don't need to be cleaning up that garbage as well. Maybe there's a cardboard shortage uh, shortage in Chicago. I don't really know, but it is kind of weird. But you know what's even weirder in a lot of ways is when you see the situations where uh, where they have the cardboard cutouts and then you see the live people in the stands at the same time. You see live people with the cardboard. I've seen that in some of the football games. That looks even more bizarre to me than just the cardboard cutouts. Right. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll continue to, to monitor this. But, again, you know, games at Yankee Stadium, games at Wrigley Field, it really seems strange. But at least the ivy is blooming and looking nice there. Well, yeah, I mean, and the, the, and the grass is nice, well, but the Sox man, fans haven't been there to poison it and kill it this year. So, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's usually one of the things. It's it's also the time of year too when nobody complains about a three or four or five hour baseball game. You know, sometimes in the regular season you get people, oh, I'm not going to put in that much time. But I mean, you mentioned the fans and that. Remember when the Cubs won their when they finally won their World Series after 108 years or whatever it was. 108. That game against Cleveland. I mean, that thing had more twists and turns than a really good you know movie drama or something like yeah. that. Nobody cared. It was exciting. The fans were part of it. Each there was ups and downs and highs and lows all over the place. Nobody cared that it was a four-and-a-half-hour game. Right, right. They loved it. They were on the edge of their seat for the entire yeah. time. And we had the rain delay in that game where the Cubs you know, came yeah. back to win. You know, so. Araldis Chapman threw like 80 pitches yeah. or something. Yeah. And, I mean, he, they just used it. They said, well, he's not going to be here next year anyhow. Let's throw him out there. <laughs> Let's try to win this thing. And speaking <laughs> of that game, all right, none other than the man who was in that game who got the World Series ring in that game, the clincher for the Chicago Cubs in 2016, the one and only Chris Bosio joins us right now. So how about that segue, Frank? Yeah. And that time, Boz, what's going up? We're, we're, we're reliving some of your great memories right now. <laughs> how you doing, TC? I'm doing great, brother. Hey, appreciate you uh, just jumping in and joining us uh, here today as we're talking playoff baseball. I don't know about you, Boz, but it just gives me the feeling of March Madness today, that opening Thursday or Friday where we have all these uh, college basketball games, eight baseball games today. The playoffs are finally here, and uh, the Astros get the job done, feel great for Dusty breaking that playoff losing streak. And and you had something to do with that going against Dusty and and giving one of those losses, but I know you're happy for him just like I am as well, too. I am. I'm actually – I just got done doing a lesson, and I had an appointment canceled I got my buddy, one of my, my students here, Max. TC said, how to Max for me? What's going on, man, Max? I hope that's not Shearzer you're giving a lesson to. He doesn't need any lessons. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> What's going on, man, Max? You, you got a good teacher there. There you go. All right. I, w- I wish I had a teacher that uh, could sport a World Series ring and, and give me some lessons. But then again, I really, don't, I really don't need any lessons on the mound. No, you don't. I mean, we all know about how good you are. <laughs> was. You tell us all the time. Was. 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 Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. Forget it. All right, man. <laughs> so, anyway. No. Uh, hey, go I got to talk about the Houston Astros and what they did going into Minnesota. Just unbelievable. What a, what a whirlwind for those guys. And, and going into a park that's one of the toughest places to play in all the baseball, they go in there and win too. Just, it's just amazing. It is amazing, no doubt. And the Twins, you know, have that streak where they've lost 18 straight playoff games. Now that is incredible for a team to go that long, Boz, over this, you know, so many years where they cannot get a victory. I mean, that's unheard of in this day and age. It really is. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're trying to figure it out. The last couple years, but for it to happen again with that team is unbelievable. So you look at what happened today also in the marathon game. The Braves defeat the Reds in 13 innings. The The Reds had 11 hits. I, I believe the number was something like they left like 14 guys on base. Something ridiculous. Left the bases loaded on a couple uh, different occasions. And the final score in this game, if you had the under, well, you just were waiting and waiting and waiting to go cash a ticket. one nothing. the final as the Braves take care of business and win, off, uh, win it in walk-off style uh, in the bottom of 13. Uh, Braves only had six hits today. A couple coming in that final 13th inning. 
but uh, the Braves win one nothing. And talk a little bit about this best two out of three series as well, Boz, where you know winning that first game so key was that way with the Astros yesterday, and the Braves have got to feel that way today, jumping on uh, you know the Reds, and now one game away from eliminating your opponent. I tell you what, the three game series is going to be a nightmare for some team. Thanks, Max. Yeah. Yeah. See you, Max. You know, Thanks a lot, buddy. Pay your bill. Yeah. You know, it's a team like Cincinnati with starters like that. I mean, had four or five opportunities to score a run in that game and give Atlanta credit. You know, you got to give them a lot of credit. They, you know, they stuck through. That bullpen was stingy. And beat a really good Trevor Bauer today. I mean, that's huge for Atlanta because you know Atlanta's going to have to slug their way there, and for them to win a one nothing game with probably a top three in the Cy Young voting in the National League, Max Fried's had an unbelievable year. You speak about the bullpens. When it comes to the bullpen like that, in a three-game series, a best of three, is it different managing and figuring out what to do with the bullpen? Like if you're in a game where you're down 5 nothing or something, maybe you don't go to them as quick or maybe you try to save them down the road for a game that you're closer and you're in, or is there a different philosophy going into a three-game series with managing your pitching staff? Uh, it all depends on the previous games. You know, we don't have the travel days, so we don't have the luxury of setting it up or having one of your starters be that that second reliever coming out of the bench, uh, the bench, I mean, on the bullpen that we've seen the last couple of years. So, case in point, Houston had to use um, their closer because it was so close and they had to get in. And Valdez goes five innings yesterday and saved the day for Houston to win that game. Right. So, I mean, you're going to, you're going to see all kinds of different things, but it's, it's all going to depend on the previous day. And that three-day-in-a-row thing, I, I really think it's going to get thrown out now because there's so much at stake. Chris Bosio joins us, the uh, former pitching coach of the Cubs and the former pitcher himself, author of a no-no back in the day. And Bosio, former team of the Cubs. Find themselves down 5-1 right now to the Marlins. And, uh, you know, I, I got a feeling I know who you're rooting for in this game because you sat here and told us when we were getting ready to go back to play baseball, watch out for the Marlins, despite all of the positive COVID tests, but despite them, you know, playing a whole bunch of games in a short amount of time and getting off to this slow start where they actually weren't allowed to play, they put it together. You wanted me to go put a bet down for you. For uh, to see if they could, uh, you know, make the playoffs and make a run here. You're looking like a genius, my friend, because not only they get in the playoffs, but now they're going to go up one game to, to none on the Cubs on the road at Wrigley. This team looks like they could be a, a surprise, maybe not just in this round, but moving forward. I, it's it's unbelievable what starting pitching, especially young starting pitching, can do. And, you know, going out and give their front office credit. They didn't give up any of their young pitching, but they went out and they found an all-star out in Arizona and picked up a Marte. And I heard where he got hit in the wrist in the ninth inning of that game where he got taken out. So that'll be interesting to see what happens there. But the reason they're there is because of their pitching. They've pitched really well this year. Speaking of pitching, talk about Kyle Hendricks, a guy obviously that you know very, very well. He was underneath you there in Chicago, and I know you you call him the professor at times, but Kyle Hendricks did not have his best stuff today and probably not the ideal game one starter. But when you look at the Cubs staff right now, they seem to be void of starting pitching. I, I want your take about the Cubs and where they're at right now, especially looking like they're going to be down level one. They're on the brink of elimination, and and a guy that's going tomorrow that has the history of not being a big game pitcher in you, Darvish. Yes, right. Yeah, he, he could be a nightmare. I, I'll be honest. I, I mean, I know how they set it up. I know why they set it up that way. But tough opponent for anybody getting game one of a playoff series, especially when you literally have to be perfect. And then 
for a team that's hitting 210 at home, that's that's unbelievable. The Chicago Cubs hit 210 this year at Wrigley. Never thought I'd ever see that. Chris, when it comes to starting pitching and you're on the mound, and we know that pitchers don't have their best stuff every game. I think they say that usually like every four or five games you actually have your best. So a lot of times you go out there and you might not, you know, the breaking ball's not working quite as much or there's a little bit less zip on your fastball. What do you do from a mental standpoint to try to stay competitive and win a game when you go out on the mound and you don't have your best stuff? That's where your secondary comes in and you got to pitch backwards. That's where that terminology came This is a test of the Southern Nevada slash Inyo County, California Emergency Alert System. This message is originating from the Clark County Office of Emergency Management in Las Vegas, Nevada. This system is used for warnings and essential safety information during emergencies. At such times, tune to a participating radio or television station for directions, safety instructions, and other official information. This concludes this test of the Southern Nevada slash Inyo County, California Emergency Alert System, EOC-1. Go ahead and win the first two games of a best out of three. Would you call that a sweep? That's a sweep. That's a sweep. There it is. We're in agreement there, I guess. There it is. You sweep. It's only a two-game series. You win two, you're done. That's <laughs> it. Sweep it. <laughs> All right. Breaking news, boss. So we know the Padres are the darlings of Major League Baseball this year. Well, the Cardinals come into San Diego and put a four spot on the board in the top of the first. Paul Goldschmidt goes yard. Tommy Edmonds scores there. Yadier Molina singles to center. Uh, add a few more. There we go. Four nothing in the bottom of the first. So talk a little bit about this series, Cardinals-Padres. I don't want to be the Padres in this series because the Cardinals are battle-tested the last two years, and the Padres are not. Cardinals have been in this dogfight. You know, you can say what you want about the National League Central, but it's a dogfight. Not to say it's not in the National League West, but National League Central had four teams get in this year. Four. And all these teams are used to playing each other and used to the dogfight that literally comes down to every ninth inning of every game. And St. Louis... They were right there with the Marlins with all this COVID stuff, if you remember. They played a couple less games than everybody else. Shows in the the one-loss column. But like the Marlins, they're a little bit more of a veteran team. A lot of credit for them is they got in as well with all those injuries and all those people being sick. All right, my man, before we let you go, give us a, a quick preview Give us a pick here tonight. We got Yankees and Indians. Yankees looking to close out the tribe on the road. They won last night uh, rather handily. And then we got the Brew Crew and the Dodgers. Uh, Kershaw not getting the start tonight. Uh, Walker Bueller is getting the start against the uh, against Milwaukee. Dodgers are going to be tough to beat this year, all the way around. They're lined up perfect the way they want it. Um. Brew crew, they're they're beat up. It took it took the very last game for them to get in as well, but they're they're beat up. But another battle tested team, a bloop and a blast, an error in a big hit can make the difference in a game. And the one thing that you do not want to give Milwaukee is the lead with that left hander down that bullpen and hater. Kenley Jansen isn't as dominating as he was in the past. Numbers say that he was pretty good. Stuff-wise, he's down about four miles an hour from where he used to be a couple years ago. And Tanaka and Carrasco in the Yankee-Indian game tonight. You got two crafty guys right there. You know, watch, 
watch Carrasco trying to get his breaking ball going and watch the Yankees hitter not swinging at it. All right, my man, we'll let you go. Uh, you're working those youngsters uh, pretty hard, I imagine. Take it easy on those arms, man. You know, Take it easy. I know you got them working on the changeup already. <laughs> We're building for the future here. <laughs> there you go, man. All right, my man, appreciate you checking in. Uh, we will talk to you next week. How's that? Sounds good, bud. Take care, guys. You got it. There it is. Chris Bazio, the former Cubs pitching coach and former great Major League Baseball pitcher himself, threw a no-no back in the day. And uh, the Cubs, his team down 5-1. But they did do have a leadoff double here in the bottom of the ninth. And uh, we'll see if the Cubs can mount a comeback. But it looks like uh, we've got a pop-out to short. So, yeah, you know, one out there. Uh, round out to the rest of the Major League Baseball scoreboard. Frank, uh, you made the comment earlier on before we came on the air today. He said, well, you know, thought the, uh, the White Sox were something special yesterday. Almost a, a no-no by Lucas Giolito, but the A's came out uh, storming today. A little controversy with his first couple runs for the A's, but they've now uh, built a 5 nothing lead. Uh, the A's lead the White Sox 5 nothing, and they're in the bottom of the uh, seventh there. And like we mentioned, Marlins 5, Cubs 1 in the bottom of the ninth at Wrigley. Yeah, and uh, Tampa Bay's got a big lead over the Blue Jays, 8-1 to one at the end of the third in that game. Grand and, slam in that game, too. Yeah, and you mentioned the Cardinals with their uh, 4-1 lead over the Padres. And that's got to be a little bit heartbreaking, too, for the White Sox. I mean, you almost get a, no, a no-hitter a no thrown yesterday. Now, all of a sudden, after day two, you lose this game, and now you're essentially in a best-of-one series. Oakland's got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. That's not working at all in the first game. Now, do they have the momentum? with today's victory, assuming that they hold on and get it. All right. All right, we come back. We'll talk a little college football as well as the NFL. Trevor Maddich from ESPN will join us. He'll break it down. We've got that and a whole lot more coming your way on a Wednesday. T.C. Martin Show. I got something for you. Here's the man, the myth. The oracle has spoken. The mouth. You hear me talking? T.C. Martin. This may be a Major League Baseball day today with eight games going, a lot of excitement. And now we start prepping for the weekend, and that means football as well as the NBA Finals. Don't forget about that. We've got NBA Finals game number one tonight between the Lakers and the surprising Miami Heat. We'll preview that a little bit later on. But right now we do talk football with our good friend, ESPN's very own, the pride of Sacramento, California, Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame, the BYU Cougar. Trevor Maddich, what is going on, my man? T.C. Martin, I am doing great. I am so glad to see football go another week, one at a time. <laughs> you really think that? I mean, aren't we at the stage now that I understand Notre Dame tested positive, we had the postponement last week with them, and we still got some rumblings, but now with so many games on the docket, don't you feel that, I don't want to say we're out of the woods because we're clearly not, but don't you feel that it's kind of getting slowly but surely back to normal with these full slate of games and now meaningful conference games, too. Yep, it is meaningful. I mean, everybody's going to be playing. The Big Ten and Pac-12 are coming up. The Mountain West is coming back, apparently, yes. and the Max, so that's good. Uh, all that stuff is great, but the plug can be pulled on individual teams, and if too many individual teams, it can still be plugged on entire conferences or pulled on entire conferences if they have uh, unrelenting breakouts, and that is possible. We just saw that with the Tennessee Titans, for goodness sake. And then with Notre Dame, all of a sudden, 18 people on Monday, they reported tested positive between players and support personnel because of uh, one asymptomatic guy at a pregame meal that apparently spread by wildfire they traced it back to, and one guy on the sideline who got dehydrated and threw up. So medical personnel were around him, teammates were around him, the wind is blowing stuff around, who knows. And the next thing you know, Notre Dame has got a dozen and a half people that are associated with this either positive test or with the contact tracing. So these are all things that can happen super fast. And every week that goes by that it doesn't, I'm just really happy. You know, we touched upon this yesterday about that, Brian Kelly talking about that story. Everything was grab and go with their with their food. He said we haven't had a team meal at one point in time during this, except for their game. They go, oh, we just figured, hey, this is our routine. We're going to go back to the team meal, and this is how these players got COVID. Yeah, and and it was it was asymptomatic, right? And so that that I mean, so what do you do? 
I mean, was that something that was irresponsible? Not really. These are guys that, that meet together, that practice together. At some point, they're all together in one spot, certainly at practice. And so is, is a meal all that bad, considering that they do all the testing that they do? But one guy apparently got it, and it came in between the tests somehow, and there you go. And, and this, is, this is, you know, this is where, you know, I, I, every week I'm grateful. I, I don't ever take it for granted. Trevor Maddich uh, joins us, the, the college football breakdown. You can see him, I believe, was it every Friday on SportsCenter where you're breaking it down for everybody? I do stuff on Fridays, do stuff on Saturdays, Sundays. Um, and, uh, yeah, but uh, Friday, Fridays during the noon Eastern Sports Center right. uh, is usually the first time I'm on. We're also going to add Thursday night as soon as the NBA Finals are over, but they're, you know, they're pretty packed up with, uh, with the NBA Finals up until then. So I'll probably be on some form or fashion for, let's see, there's a Friday, Saturday, four days a week, uh, four days a week on SportsCenter and, uh, and or radio. Saturday's probably going to be radio, and then Saturday morning SportsCenter, I'll often be on. So it, it's fun, man. It's really fun. And he still finds time to visit with us once a week. Outstanding, oh, man. It's a highlight of my week. <laughs> Let's talk about this thing. You, you brought it up with the NFL. So the Tennessee Titans-Pittsburgh Steeler game postponed Sunday. They will either play Monday or Tuesday. Not sure when we're going to decision uh, on that, but we expect it to be sooner than later because we have travel and play and everything else. So the Titans close their facility after what three players now i guess now it's four players and five staff members tested positive for covid uh remember tennessee played at minnesota on sunday so the vikings closed their practice facility uh so the postponement follows the 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 positive test here and the four players including starting nose tackle daquan jones long snapper you know something about that bo brinkley and then a practice squad tied in tommy hudson and then five other team personnel members i think there was a fourth in there we found out about today. Not exactly sure who that is. But here's a quote from Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. He says, I know there's going to be a lot of questions about the game and who's to blame and where it started. No one's to blame. We're in a pandemic. This is a very unfortunate situation, but one that we're confident that we will be able to handle safely with the football team and the players' best interests in mind. Uh, the Vikings, on the other hand, did not have anyone test positive. So uh, give us some thoughts on this and, and the latest that you know. Right. Well, this is where this is where it can sneak in. And the thing is, the Titans. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when they're going to be allowed to get back together again, but they have postponed all in-person activities uh, through at least Friday and possibly even Saturday. And we'll see how that goes. Maybe there's been news now coming out that uh, they've got a definitive day on that. But if they play on Sunday, think about it. You've got all week long. They're not allowed to get together. They can't practice. They can only install game plan via Zoom. And if their opponent is practicing. What an advantage would that be if they played on Sunday or even Monday or even Tuesday? Tuesday would be crazy because then you got the next week, right? right. You're talking about playing on a short week. I mean, things, things get kind of nuts. But in college, TC, if you've got a situation where, well, with BYU and Navy, both BYU and Navy had their opening day games canceled so they, or postponed, so they went ahead and scheduled each other because, hey, we got nothing to do on Saturday. Let's, get, let's, let's have a date. Well, that puts stress on practice, on game planning and preparation, things like that. And that can affect teams winning and losing. Some teams it will affect more than others, especially ones that have new quarterbacks like Navy did. BYU had a returning quarterback. So these are, these are things that are out there. But in college, what it affects is your, your bowl pecking order, possibly conference championships, different things that will affect um, in college. In the NFL, it affects playoffs and Super Bowls, that affects contracts. These things are collectively bargained. You can't just up and say, okay, Titans, we know you didn't get to prepare for your opponent this week, but we want to get the game on the air, so head on in there in a situation that makes the Titans more likely to lose, and all of a sudden dominoes fall in a negative way, and you've got to get permission from the the union in order to get that done. If you don't get that permission, then what do you do? So in the NFL, it's a little bit more sensitive in some ways than it is in college to put teams at a disadvantage in order to get the games on the air. When you talk about the colleges, 
uh, there seems to be some coaches out there that are concerned because there's not a uniform testing protocol for it. Uh, we know that the Big Ten has come back and they said if somebody tests positive, they're going to be out 21 games. Some other conferences have a different thing. I know Missouri's coach came out recently and he's upset because he doesn't know exactly what's going on in the SEC. He said it's kind of a free-for-all because the schools don't necessarily report. Like Alabama's not doing anything about saying who has it, who doesn't have it, how many players do or don't have it, and he thinks that there should be a little bit more transparency. Is that a problem? Is that something that the NCAA should come in and say, look, we need some kind of uniform thing? Or is it really just up to every conference because the NCAA is kind of being proven that um, maybe they don't have the clout that they used to have? Yeah, I don't know if the NCAA can impose standards with penalties if you don't apply those standards. I think they can recommend, but what would have happened if the NCAA said, okay, we believe the doctors of the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and therefore the SEC, ACC, and Big 12, you can't play, right? That would have been a rebellion like the sport has never seen, because the science is not settled. I think that Going to a conference-only or almost conference-only schedule allows there to be more local control within the conferences, allows there to have more local knowledge and influence over the, the states and municipalities that have a say in how many people can get together. This was a problem in the Pac-12 footprint where you couldn't have more than 12 people get together for a gathering. How are you going to practice football if you can only have 12 people get together, for goodness sake, in California um, you know, during a certain period of time? These are things that conferences could deal with and could, could deal with, with their local politicians, et cetera, that I don't think you can mandate on a national basis. To me, the most important thing is not whether they reveal who and how many are positive or contact trace and therefore will not play. I get it that coaches don't want to give up that information because that would give a competitive advantage to the opponent if you know that the pocket-passing quarterback isn't going to play the backup who's a mobile run-around guy who doesn't have a big arm, he is going to play. That will affect defensive preparation from your opponent. You don't want them to know that. I get that. The only thing that really matters, I think, from an ethical standpoint is that everybody have their final test of the week on, say, the day before the game or two days before the game. I know the PCR tests, which are the gold standard right now that I'm aware of, those tend to come back the next day, within 24 hours. In the NFL, tests six days a week. They don't test on game day, but they'll test on Saturday. And then that test will be back Sunday morning, and they'll know if you've got to pull somebody then. And even if you don't know who's going to be pulled, if you extrapolate that concept to college football, at least then you know that if somebody is positive, they will be pulled. And the only danger is you don't know who you're really going to face based on guys that are quarantined, but you will know that from the standpoint of the best that science has to offer in the moment, at least the guys that you're facing will have tested negative. All right, Trevor Madge joins us, ESPN College Football. Trevor, let's talk about what we saw last Saturday in that SEC game. A lot of games went according to form, but LSU losing to Mississippi State, Mike Leach coming over and taking over that program, new system, really not having the players there. It was somewhat surprising. Now, granted, no Joe Burrow, no DeMar Chase uh, on the offensive side for LSU. But that defense, Trevor, has always been known. It doesn't matter. They just restock. They reload. They were atrocious. Is this something that's going to get fixed by Ed Orgeron and LSU? Or is this kind of maybe a preview of things to come? Because it was shocking to see the defending champs lose. And I believe first time since, what, 1998 that the – uh, defending college football champions got beat on opening day. Yeah, and part of that, too, is that on opening day, they're typically playing Southwest Missouri State. Right. They're not playing a, a conference team, usually, uh, on, on that day. But as far as, as, far as that goes, yeah, the, the defense for LSU was really bad. The offense was also uh, pretty darn bad. And the defense, though, first let's give credit to Mississippi State. Mike Leach, the new coach of of Mississippi State brings his air raid offense in, and a lot of people were thinking, well, this isn't going to work in the SEC. It's just some gimmicky finesse thing. Next thing you know, they come up and light up LSU, and even though LSU was depleted, they lost 14 or 15 guys to the NFL draft, and a bunch of other guys opted out, so a whole lot of new faces were in there. Still, Mississippi State made the plays, and their quarterback, K.J. Costello, who transferred from Stanford to Starkville, 
he at times looked like a playground baller, and at times he looked like a polished pocket passer. He was phenomenal. And he took advantage of every opportunity, and then he made opportunities when there was nothing there. And the reason I say that, TC, is that watching that game, the play calling of Mike Leach and Mississippi State was ruthless. It was vicious because of the way they went after some of the replacements in LSU's secondary. So Derek Stingley Jr., who's probably the best corner in college football, had to check out of the game and check into a hospital the night before with a, a reported non-COVID-related illness. So, so he's out. Kerry Vincent, their starting nickel, opted out uh, in August. So Mississippi State went after those replacements. One of those guys was a freshman. One of those guys was a transfer from Nickel State who just got on campus two weeks before. And they went after them over and over again. But not only those guys, they went after all the other guys too. And when it came down to it at the end, my thought was, oh, boy, SEC, even though their offenses have evolved, there's been a lot of up-tempo spread and zone read and all that other stuff, SEC, get ready for the OG of crazy passing, Mike Leach, because he just dropped right into the middle of one of your sacred shrines and laughed. When it comes to those sacred shrines, like you mentioned, places that are very difficult to win, obviously it's different this year without the fans in there. How much is that going to affect some of these teams, like a team like LSU, that has such a rabid fan base that now they're basically playing in front of crickets? Yeah, it, it matters, especially LSU. I mean, LSU, especially night games at LSU, it, it, I don't know that there's a more hostile place for a visitor to play. As a matter of fact, the Tiger, Mike the Tiger, used to be a part of that. It's not anymore in the same way. They've got, you know, Mike the Tiger's a live tiger. I mean, I've, I've seen him. I've visited him in his habitat. He's got like a $7 million habitat. It's, uh, he's got a pretty good life as tigers go. And they used to take him out to the field in a cage before games. And they would place that cage with Mike the Tiger right next to the tunnel where the opposing team would come out. And then they kind of poke him a little, little bit with a stick to get him riled up so that when the opposing team comes out, there's an angry tiger roaring. Well, wait, wait a minute, Trevor. Wait a, wait a minute. I, I need to know something. Now, if you're dining with Mike the Tiger, what are you guys eating for dinner? Uh, well, we're, we're eating our enemies. <laughs> well, you know it's cornflakes for breakfast. <laughs> yes, it is. yes, it is. Oh, I missed the joke. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. Yeah, they're great, aren't they? Uh, uh, great no, that, that would be Frosted Flakes. It would be great. Come on, to- come really on, Tony funny. the Tiger. That's really Well, you know, because that was the champion. That was, uh, it was my pick for champion, too. Yeah. Uh, as far, uh, was, it, was that a Cheerio? No, it was Cheerio. Yeah, yeah. Or Frosted Flakes. Yeah, yeah. Cheerio. Well, they were both really good. Anyway, so just to wrap up the story of Mike Tiger. And so there were actual, actual stories about visiting players that would not come out of the locker room and go through the tunnel to start the game until they moved Mike the Tiger because they were so afraid of him. Okay? So that plus the crowd plus everything else at LSU makes this environment that is just amazing. Then you can't hear, and really the sound is so loud there you can feel it. You ever, have you ever been to a concert where you've stood kind of right in front of the speaker and you can feel the sound and not just hear it? The sound is kind of like that at LSU. And it's, it's like that in its own way in other places. And so that home field advantage goes away from that standpoint, and that does make a difference. All right, real quick. Saturday, we've got a couple SEC games I want you to break down quickly. Texas A&M against Alabama. Auburn and Georgia. What are we thinking here? Texas A&M, Alabama. A&M is supposed to be one of the dark horses to win the conference. They've got a senior quarterback, Kellamon, coming back. Even though one of their best receivers, Jamon Osmond, opted out, they still have a really good team. But they barely got by Vanderbilt in the opener. They beat them by five points, and Alabama looked like they were on fire. The thing about Alabama to me that impressed me more than anything else was their quarterback, Mac Jones, looked like he did not try to impress Tua fans and show everybody how great he is, too. He just ran the offense, took it as it came, and that makes them really dangerous because of the people he can distribute to. And remember, Alabama didn't make the playoff last year. They're angry, and hell hath no fury like a Nick Saban team scorned. That is a uh, a huge game, but A&M just might run into a buzzsaw. Who is the other one? Uh, We've got Auburn and Georgia. Auburn and Georgia. Okay, uh, Auburn looked pretty good against Kentucky. Overall, they made their mistakes, but they look like opening weekend. 
Georgia in the first half didn't look like opening weekend. It looked like, you know, it looked like May. It was just like the month of May. It was, it was just awful. The running game was terrible. They averaged two point yards per carry for the game. Um, fortunately for them, Arkansas's defense was really, I mean, I, I thought they were running some sort of secret, secret squirrel coverages at times because nothing made any sense. And come to find out, no, they just weren't making sense. And Georgia took advantage of those things to come back in the game. Uh, Georgia better get that wired tight because Auburn is uh, a whole lot better than, uh, than Arkansas. So Georgia, Georgia's got to grow up in a hurry in a week. And who's the other one? Oh, that was it. Oh, oh there's this okay. thing. Well, there's this uh, game on Friday, uh, BYU and uh, Louisiana Tech. I don't, know, I don't know if you know anything about that game. Oh, I didn't know BYU was playing this year. <laughs> Ranked 22nd in the nation with one of the hottest quarterbacks in the country. 23 yeah. and a half point favorite, boys and girls. Let's remember that. Yeah, okay. Well, good. I didn't know that number, but I do now. What do you think? Um, they cover, they cover that? Nobody in Pope will do that number either. Are people, are people in Vegas are dying to know, Trevor. Point they, spread didn't bother them last week. That's true. That's right. You know what? Okay, so here, here's my analysis of that game. B, uh, BYU, after the opener at, uh, against Navy, the thing they needed to fix was chemistry in their passing game. Their top three wide receivers from last year were gone, and then their All-American tight end, Matt Bushman, got hurt, and they lost him for the season. So returning quarterback Zach Wilson, whole bunch of new guys to have to throw to, weren't very efficient against Navy. But against Troy last week, that passing game went nuts. And if they can continue that kind of chemistry and those kinds of deep strikes, BYU has a chance to score a whole lot of points against Louisiana Tech purely accidentally. Because they're, they're completing the ball down the field. Is the secret squirrel offense a good thing or a bad thing? Well, secret squirrel offense is fun because it fools defenses. Watch Miami. They have lots of secret squirrel formations that are actually legitimate. Arkansas's secret squirrel defense, not so good because you can't really identify it as a defense. You know, have you ever had like a, 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 an animal as a pet and you're told it's a dog, but you can't really tell and you need to take it to the vet to have it positively identified as a dog? That's Arkansas's defense against Georgia. So that's not such a good thing. All right. Wouldn't the secret squirrel offense be more uh, inclined to go with the Morocco Mole defense? <laughs> you know what? That would be the ultimate team right there. And that might be Alabama. And thank you for that, by the way. Thank you for that reference. You just warmed my heart. All we need now is the banana splits, and we're good to go. So we got a Mike the Tiger reference, cornflakes, secret squirrel, and Morocco mole all in this interview. This is gold, Jerry. Gold! By the way, Alabama probably doesn't like tigers. Between Auburn, LSU, and Clemson, yes. they have to take on a tiger's den. That's a good point. <laughs> Roll yeah, tide. That's a, that's a really good point, yeah. Uh, all right, brother, we'll let you go. Appreciate uh, the knowledge and the comedy, as always. Appreciate you. Well, you, you know what, though? I'm going to go do some remedial work on my tiger uh, breakfast food because yes. I missed a joke and that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, that's okay, man. I know. And you never miss a block. We know that. So don't worry about oh, that. Oh, there you go. All yeah, right. the older I get, the better I was. <laughs> Take care, my man. All right, bye. <laughs> Trevor Manich, ESPN. You can catch him on the uh, 9 o'clock Pacific Sports Center and they replay it uh, over and over and of course you can catch him on ESPN Radio on Saturday all day and then Sunday doing the NFL and uh, just glad that he joins us every week right here. You gotta love it. Gotta love Trevor. All right. And with Frank here, you just, the one liners will just keep coming and coming. And there'll be plenty of other cartoon references. I can guarantee that. All right. We come back. We'll get you updated on uh, Major League Baseball scoreboard and preview tonight's NBA Finals. Does that sound right? Here we are at the end of September. NBA Finals, game one. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Congratulations to our Las Vegas Aces, who were down two games to one in that semifinal series WNBA playoffs, and they come back and win game four. And last night they win game five. The Aces win a barn burner, as Bill Cartwright would say. Uh, a little sloppy basketball, but they locked Connecticut down defensively, held holding the Sun to 18 second-half points. The Aces are in the WNBA Finals, and it's just such a shame, and we talk about this a lot, that um, the people here in Las Vegas cannot attend the games at Mandalay Bay. Just think about that. If uh, we had a WNBA Finals here, this place would be 
electric in the Mandalay Bay, the houses they call it. But congratulations to the Aces, Asia Wilson, Angel McCautry. Angel played all, or rather, uh, Asia played all forty minutes last night. Phenomenal. Angel McCautry was just uh, tremendous as well too. Bill Lambier really had to shorten the bench last night. And uh, very happy, very thankful after the game was over last night that they won, advanced on to the finals against the Seattle Storm. And Game 1 will take place on Friday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, and the Aces stayed the course in the game, too. I believe they were down like around 13 in the first Actually, half of that 16. game. Yeah, yeah. So, so they were down in the game, but they chipped away, got it down to 6 at halftime. And you had a feeling that in the second half that they were going to probably find a way to get back in it and maybe even win it but uh like you i didn't see them holding connecticut to 18 points but i guess the later it gets the more the sun goes down <laughs> as elton john said <laughs> don't let the sun go down on me where are you at there see you gotta be quick there numchuck numchuck's saying elton john who's he i mean he's texting me all the stuff you know uh he probably didn't vote for him here for his best male singer ever no he didn't he but he's sending me <laughs> you know he wants new bumper music with you guys being rockers and nirvana some other you did send me some dick dale and the dale tones though you know that's that's pretty strong yeah you know who dick dale is the king of the surf guitar and from pulp fiction fame you gotta love that but anyway uh yeah congratulations to the aces for being uh victoria so uh very happy for them it's all right milkshake i don't know if it's worth six dollars but it's good milkshake I think it's five dollars. Yeah, that's a five dollar <laughs> milkshake. There it is. Yeah. All right, man. Here we go. We're going to the bubble tonight. The Miami Heat taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. It seems strange, but here we go. It's it's game one. Who do we like and why? Well, I mean, the Lakers are the better team, but uh, you know what? Miami says they're not the underdog in this series, and there's no reason that they should lose. Well, there might be a reason that they should lose because maybe the Lakers are the better team, but we'll see. You know, I love teams with a chip on their shoulder. And Jimmy Butler said, nah, the chip is on our shoulder. He goes, we got a, a bunch of guys that nobody wanted. A lot of cast-offs. And I love that mentality. I love that identity that they have. Uh, Spolster's a pretty good coach. you still got Pat Riley back there pulling some strings as well, too. I like the Heat, believe it or not. I would love to see the upset. And I think the Heat are going to come out smoking. They're a four-and-a-half-point underdog tonight. Well, Spolster certainly knows LeBron. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And when you look at the lineups, though, especially that Laker lineup, you got Anthony Davis, you got LeBron James, but there's nothing to get really excited about. I mean, Caruso and and uh, Caldwell Pope. I mean, come on. And Rondo? I'm not a Rondo guy. You're making Armando very angry right now. Armando, come on <laughs> in. He likes everything. Armando, do me a favor. <laughs> Let's bet the Dodgers tonight, and you and I can high-five this weekend. How's that? He just wants to take you on a cornhole. He keeps on telling me, when are we going to get this cornhole match going? You know, it's funny. He brings it up to you. You don't bring it up to me. He doesn't call on the show and, and bring it up and challenge. Let's at go. work, man. He's listening at work. Uh, he's listening at work? Yeah. Some people have to do more than sit on their butt and talk on a microphone to work. He oh, actually you, works works. I understand, but he can get away. <laughs> he, he's got a bathroom break. Bathroom break. You can get on the phone or, or, or text us at TC Martin 21 or, you know, VGK Frank. Give me a break. He usually texts me, and then I tell him I don't check my text Yeah, right. the show's over. So. There you go. Exactly. I'm All not right. like you. I don't get 20 texts a day from Numchuck running the board behind that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Numchuck, you're doing good. I mean, it's like Numchuck, if we had a best two out of three, Numchuck would have, has swept the last two days. You know? Short series, but getting the job done. Yeah. He might have had one error today, but that's okay. <laughs> good stuff. Tomorrow, Steve the pitching staff will pitch out of that error. That's it. Steve Sachs will join <laughs> us tomorrow. We'll look forward to that. Scott Spritzer as well, too. Handicapping. And we got Thursday night football. Oh, my God. Denver and the Jets tomorrow. Really? Woo! Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. For VGK Frank, for Ballpark Frank, TC Martin saying so long. Have yourself a good one. You miss any part of the shows. The interviews are all up there at tcmartinshow.com. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 2. Enjoy baseball tonight. NBA Finals as well. <laughs>